Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Hello and welcome to Take Line. I'm joined again today by one of the funniest to ever do it. One of the greatest to ever do it. One of my favorites out there as a stand-up and the co-host of the Airbuds podcast. He is Jamel Johnson. You can find him every place where you don't expect to find him, but that the shit is going down. And today he's here. Uh, we will also be talking to Max Bredos play-by-play announcer for Los Angeles Football Club. He will be here to talk to us about MLS, state of MLS, uh, state of LAFC after two big European signings. But first, let's talk about, let's talk about Jamel Johnson. Uh, first, let's welcome Jamel. Jamel, how are you? Ooh-ooh. And as I was saying in the intro, you're always at a place where yeah. no one expects to find you there. The Batcave. Yeah, the last time you so, saw me was the laundromat. The next time you'll see me, I'll be on the moon. I'm I'm on my I'm on my Instagram, and I see you, you know, just like cheesing out on my on my timeline with Dikemi Mutombo with the ESPYS, among others. Totally forgot how to what to do with my hands and photos. <laughs> Talk to us about the ESPYS, man. What's what's going on with the ESPYS? One of the most one of the most interesting events of the summer. Also becoming a um, a classic LA event. It is, you know. I mean, I know they did they did it in New York uh, one of the COVID years, and I bet it wasn't as fun as when it happens in LA. The vibe is not right. Plus, the ESPN office. You know, there's the there's the big LA office here, in a, and when they have it, you just walk from LA Live from the from the building right to exactly. the to the to the place. So you know, every few years. You know, they hire a bunch of comics to write on the SBs, and I know one of those comics very well, and then I get to pretend that I was a writer <laughs> as well. And that is what happened this year. Uh, shout out to my guy, Rob Hayes. Slid me the plus one I went. It was in Hollywood at the uh, Dolby Theater, which was a little mm-hmm. weird because it was hot as hell, and the red carpet was essentially just the, on the street. <laughs> they just had the street. <laughs> They just had Madame Tussauds blocked off, and you had to kind of enter from the street. I saw Vaughn Miller sweating his ass off, (laughs) you know? And, I mean, it was pretty cool. And I never think I'm going to act like this when I get to an event like this. But then once I find out there's free drinks. Hey, there it is. I kind of activate. I kind of, two drinks, and I'll ask any person in the world for a photo. Tell us who you got photos with, because I want to hear it from your voice. Uh, okay. uh, it's just amazing. Again, with Jamel, you never know what you're going to find when he pops up on your time. You just never know what it's going to be. Okay, here's who I got. Uh, Doug Egbert. Eg- Egbert? Egert? Oh, Sam Rockwell from St. Yeah, Peter's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember, old boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember, old boy. I invited him to come play basketball at the Glendale YMCA. He seemed mildly interested. <laughs> Doug, if you've got an Instagram, get at me. 
Uh, who else did I get a photo with? Dikembe Mutombo. That was amazing. Come on. Probably the one of the bigger like icons, like people who don't understand sports. Are like, you know oh, yeah, who I that know man is. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. who that man is. Did he speak at all? What's the voice like yeah. in person? Oh, I mean, it's, it's pretty chill. It's not as gra- gravelly in real life, but he did do the wag. I didn't ask him. <laughs> he did it on his own. He did it on his own. He did not want to take the photo, but he did the wag on his own. And we all <laughs> loved it. Uh, got a photo with him, Jacob Imrani, the official wow. injury attorney of the Los Angeles Lakers. That's a big get. That man's face is all, uh, on billboards all across Los Angeles. If you live in L.A., you know. Call Jacob. <laughs> and he responded to the DM when I tagged him in the photo. Gave me a couple <laughs> thumbs up. Just two <laughs> thumbs up. Yeah. Jacob hit me with a couple thumbs up. Uh, Rebecca Lobo. I told Rebecca oh. Lobo. I've been a fan since they did that episode of Martin. Remember they had the uh, the 96 yeah. women's team? Yeah. yeah. She also did not want to take the photo. But once I said Martin, she kind of was <laughs> like, all right, he's he's with us. He's a real live ally. You know what I'm saying? Got a picture with head coach Sean McVay. Ooh. I saw Sean McVay. He was talking to his agent. I said, sir, y'all can get that money later. What was he saying to his agent? And was he doing it in that, like, in that Sean McVay, very, very intense he was. kind of cadence? He was talking to him close. So I couldn't really hear what he was saying, <laughs> but he was right up on him. And I said, sir, excuse me. You can get back to that paper. Mr. McVay, I just want to say, I'm really glad you got out of D.C. You did the right thing. Seems like things are going all right. It does. It does. Took a pick with him. It took a lot for me to not mention Campbell's Soup. He probably would have got mad if I mentioned the Campbell's Soup (laughs) ad, which I do think is very funny. Uh, Who else did I get? Oh, Chris Berman. I saw Chris Berman. I saw Chris Berman at the pool. (laughs) Chris Berman was sitting by the pool with a blue moon. He was drinking a blue moon in the can. He was drinking. He was throwing that blue moon back, 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 back. Whoop! Yeah, it was crazy. Oh, that was the craziest one when I seen. What was what's that? What's that like? What's an interaction with Berman like? Honestly, really chill. He was like talking to like his his daughter or somebody. All these ESPN, all of the like the like ESPN legends have hot daughters. <laughs> you heard it here first. But anyway, you heard it here first. Breaking doing, news. He's, <laughs> he's doing that and he's just cooling. And it's mad late. You know, I don't know how long Chris Berman is allowed to be out. I know his schedule is changing over the years. Didn't he just retire? He does things here and there, doesn't he? Right? Yeah, like once a week. He's got that like the uh the two minute drill. Yeah, the two-minute drill where he just they just wheel him in and he just does his thing and they wheel him out. Yeah, nah. So I'm like, I don't know what, but he was like, yo, it was like it was like 12:30. He had the blue moon. He was, you know what I mean? It, he looked like he was doing all right, man. I don't think I've ever seen him. Obviously, I've never seen him in person, so I've never seen him standing. Big as up, hell. What, big as hell. Just a large man. Uh, did he play for the Giants in the 50s or something? Because he just looked <laughs> he looks that size. <laughs> Um, the SBs is funny, right? Because, you know, I, in various conversations as the SBs were going on, various group chats, you know, we, you're, you're ripping on the SBs. It's a little weird to watch Steph Curry up there being a roast comic. <laughs> yeah, Steph was, I mean, when he came out holding the drink, I was like, rookie move, man. 
Yeah, you can't do that. That drink is going to distract you. What you what yeah. they should have done? They should have really went all the way in. They should have had a stool out there. Just for get him a stool. Get him a stool. You walk out with the drink. You put your drink down. Mike then on the stand. You put the drink on the stand. Then you say all the mean stuff, and then you take a drink when the people are supposed to laugh. Duh! It's a little. It's supposed to be a visual cue. He was really trying to drink his drink. You come on, man. Yeah, this your first set. You ain't ready to actually drink the drink. You gotta get a few more road hours before you drink it. At the same time, what I I will never bag on the ESPYs for real because, as you said, we just know so many people who have gotten a bag off. For off sure, it. man. Come on, man. It's important. It's an important. Not only, as you said, is it an important like actual LA calendar cultural event at this point. Like it's an actual thing, but. It's putting. It's it's important for the economic fabric of the comedy community here in Los Angeles. It is putting. It puts meals on the table and has been for some time. Been covering a few months rent year by year. It's been covering them SAG dues. David, we need that. We need this job on the comedy calendar for sure. And I am begging for a position in twenty twenty three. I also (laughs) forgot that we saw Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson came out. And I asked him where he got his boat from. I didn't get a picture with him, but I was just like, where'd you get the boat from? And he gave me a pound, but he didn't like, you know, he didn't stop. I also think he was wearing women's sunglasses. I think that was just for the flair. You heard it here first, folks. All right, up next, Max Bredos. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. It's a big soccer summer here at Take Line. Fresh off the signings of European stars Gareth Bale and Giorgio Chiellini, which is... I, my brain still can't process him wearing LAFC gear, though I am watching him play. Uh, the first place Los Angeles Football Club is poised for another long MLS run. They're, they, they're already crushing the Western Conference and the league in general by points, and uh, it's, it, it could become a rout here, folks, with the addition of this talent. There's no better time to welcome Max Bredas Play-by-play announcer for LAFC, host of the Soccer OG podcast to help us just level set with the state of American soccer and professional American soccer here as we head towards the World Cup in balmy Qatar in 2022. Max, welcome to Take Line. Are we talking Qatar too? <laughs> we'll, say, we'll just talk everything. You, will talk, well, you want to talk women's Euros too? That's, I mean, it's been great. Oh, man. I, I missed the games on the weekend. I did watch yeah. Thursday and Friday's games, and uh, Thursday's was very good, but... I will, I will say this. Maybe this is a good way to start because I agree with you 100% because I was broadcasting the LAFC game. And it's very hard to get used to the Gareth Bale in particular, although both of them, but Gareth Bale in that jersey. And I think it's going to take a while. Yeah, I kept looking I at it. I go, I mean, it, it looks great, but it's still so weird. 
But it's, it's and and you know, obviously seeing the goal and seeing him celebrating with that shirt, it felt like it was a movie. I thought it was weird that they when they announced him during El Trafico and they dumped water on him like he had played. <laughs> Wasn't that odd? I mean, I, that's something I've never seen before. I've never seen you, you would have felt like like in if this happened ten years ago, this big star from Europe would have come and someone threw water on him, he'd have probably turned around and go, Who are you? Yeah. That's it, deals off. But it wasn't. <laughs> It's just it, it, it. They just rolled right into it, and and in that moment, it felt like it was a baptism, literally, of yes. playing the team. And of course, uh, Gareth has uh, is already paying back the uh, trust shown in him by LFC. Is uh, scored his first goal in his second appearance uh, against Sporting uh, Kansas City. Described the goal to us. What was the what was the energy like on the goal? There was a there was obviously an anticipation when he came in, and I felt like. Seeing how he played in the first game and how so how sharp and locked in he appeared, that there was a really good chance he was going to score yesterday. And it was he almost had a second one, but it, it, there was this energy there. But it, the one thing that I I think that stood out was the sporting Kansas City fans cheered the goal. They did because it was There's loud. A- so I just think that they were. I mean, obviously, didn't want to see their team. I think they were just cheering as like a reaction to seeing something, you know, seeing something that's going to go viral, seeing something that uh, they could say they saw, that they could pass on to their friends. So I was in the stadium when Gareth Bale scored because it's going to have some lasting power. But that's what stood out. And so uh, it, it it was very, it was very visceral. You can feel it. Everybody in America is like, oh, we, we, we got another one. This feels bigger <laughs> than all of like, you know, the, the, the uh, kind of past the prime signings. How long do you think Bale is going to stay around? What do you think his role looks like for the rest of this season with the team as well? Well, we, when we first signed, we were going, it's going to be six months. It's going to be six months, and then he's going to mm. find another adventure. And then once he was at the press conference, he go, okay, it's going to be 18 months. We're going to have an 18-month deal. And I could see him playing after the World Cup. And then he started talking about the Euros and preparing for it. And now I feel it's two and a half years, I think. Maybe more because he just looks really happy. I can I can understand it because we've seen it with Carlos Vela. They're very similar in the sense um, they were they were a bit maligned in some of their European yep. adventures. They needed a, a change of scenery and a place where they could be comfortable, where they get a family, and they really do feel like a family environment there. And there's an escapism uh, a bit about coming to LA where you're. You know, all that stuff you hear, you're not going to get recognized all the yep. time. Well, that's going to be hard for Bale. But Vela's lived it. And I think Gareth Bale has seen that and said, I want that too, where I can play my football. I can live in a city like L.A. Because he wants, he he is enjoying living in the city from what we're hearing. He he wants to be here. He wants to be immersed into it. He wants to experience Hollywood and the South Bay and Malibu and all that stuff. And there's a lot of, there's a lot to it. So (laughs) it seems just from this first two weeks seems very comfortable that I would, I would set the line at two and a half years. I'm going to go over. I can't wait to see Gareth Bale at Carl's Jr. (laughs) In Um, the line at (laughs) (laughs) In-N-Out. Sitting in his car for an hour. You mentioned him uh, maligned. First of all, I want to say, as an Arsenal supporter and a New York Red Bulls supporter because they signed Thierry Henry, Thierry Henry. in 2010. 
this is hard. It's it's difficult for me uh, to talk so about Jason, you were Tottenham you, star. You yeah. started as a Red Bulls fan with Terry Henry, and you're still a Red Bulls fan. I still I still follow him. That's I amazing. That's him. great. But that shows yeah, you the I power of the player. It was, and let me tell you, those years were extremely frustrating. But Terry put in uh, some work. Not to derail this conversation, but Terry put in some work, scored some wonderful goals that you could put in the reel with some of the goals that he scored over in Europe over those years. And I think we're going to see the same thing from Bale at only age 33. Um, You mentioned, you know, how how much uh, international footballers love coming here in the summertime, the offseason. And, you know, from everything we've heard about Bale, he's he's a different guy than a lot of the international footballing supers more low key kind of likes to just uh, do very normal things. Uh, He did kind of get run out on a rail uh, uh, from Real Madrid for various reasons that we don't need to go into. Uh, Give us some insight into like how it, you you mentioned, it seems like he's enjoying it here. What kind of guy is he? What what kind of person is he? Well, we all got to see it with, uh, with, with getting doused with water. The yeah. fact that he got off a plane and went straight to the game, watched the whole game, and shared that moment with his teammates, and then was at training the next day. Because generally, when these big, high-profile players, and I don't want to generalize, yeah, they come here, and it's a process. And they're kind of the forbidden fruit. You get to see him here, a glimpse. And obviously, David Beckham is the first one. And I love the Terry Henry angle, because he seems in line with the the Gareth Bale, Carlos Vela example, where he came in and he enjoyed it. And I'm not saying Zlatan or or um, Beckham did it, but there was a process. I mean, David Beckham was just untouchable. You know, you, yeah. you'd see a glimpse and then he'd play after being here in a month and then he had a great career. But uh, it was, it, it didn't feel as organic. And Zlatan, who did come and play, but there was always this like, I'm Zlatan, there's the rest of the team, even <laughs> though they got results. It didn't feel that way. And I don't take the shot at the Galaxy because, look, as an LAFC supporter, it, it, much course. respect for yeah. that club. And they, it, because of Beckham and Zlatan, is Bale. Helped build, uh, the, helped build this league yeah. here in this country, helped build the awareness of this league to where it is today. Right. It's very, and a very I, important and, signing. So, and, and so, like Sebastian Jovinko, when he came, there was a while you had to get used to seeing him. David Villa, it's like we didn't see him at all. I mean, not so David Villa, um, Andrea Pirlo, Frank mm-hmm. Lampard, Steven Gerrard. We didn't see these guys. So, Hey, so shout was, out to it, Robbie Keane. Let's not forget. Yeah, Keane. Yeah, don't, don't but forget. Robbie Keane did. <laughs> Robbie Keane falls in that mold with Bale and Henri, where they came in and kind of got into the team fabric immediately. But I and uh, I don't want to pick on the other example of players because I don't think they're supposed to blend in right away. It's right. supposed to be a few weeks. We're we're calibrated to feeling it's supposed to be a, a month before you see well, them play. So well, it's, it's interesting, right? Because this is the exact opposite kind of conversation about Bale than the one that was kind of being had in the Spanish press about him, which was he's apart from the team. He's not part of the fabric of, of the real fandom. You know, he's, he seems to hold himself apart. What's his problem? That kind of thing. And now we're kind of, we're flipping it. And I, I bought into that and I kind of vilified him a little bit because like, Oh, this guy, he's, he is not in love with the game. Yeah, I said it. I I feel like I almost have to go up to him and apologize, but it's still too early. But he, we bought into it because how could he not get into this Real Madrid? But he didn't. 
in hindsight, I kind of respect the fact that he's like, I'm not going to be held hostage. Right. I have this contract. <laughs> you play me. And then when he went to Spurs on that loan, I mean, he got results. So he still, he still had it. He, Ele- he still 11 was, goals in 20 appearances yeah, is pretty freaking good. Yeah. So, I mean, there you go. Um, so I, I, I think when you look at that whole story, you know, Gareth Bale kind of detached, but Real Madrid didn't do them any favors the way they handled it. So, uh, it's a lesson for me to not believe too much what you you hear. And it's it's also a lesson like we see it with so many athletes. This wasn't right for me. Maybe this is. So early returns so show that Garrett Bale in this forum is uh is enjoying it. But every every image we saw, like we're at the pregame, we're at training, it's not he's here and everyone is over there. He is part of that team. He is having conversations with everyone. He knows everybody's name. I saw it with my own eyes. So it's uh it's, it seems like a good fit. Real Madrid wasn't. <laughs> Not at the end. Uh, who should we be looking out for, uh, you know, for the, for, the nom- for the novice, for the guys just tuning in because they heard Bale's coming? Who else on LAFC? Like, who else is, like, the, the key players? I know uh, Chicho is a guy who sticks out to me. But, like, who is, like, the, the, the key players that the common the commoner might not know? I th- I would encourage people to watch the two Ecuadorian guys. They have three now. But uh, Chiqui Palacios, the left back, who wears 12, and Jose Cifuentes, uh, who wears the 20. These two came over three years ago, and they were a hot mess. They were the deer in the headlights. <laughs> they looked fish out of water. The year after, they got a little better. And this year, it's all clicked into place. They're comfortable. They're hitting their targets. And I, I left backs are obviously rare i mean they're an incredible <laughs> asset so chiki palacios is going to end up well when you're a fullback who could defend and cross the ball and has that athletic pace he whether it's with lafc or with a d- different club he's going to be a name people will learn and sifu is the one that's kind of come on because i see him now and you see a midfielder who can do everything so it's all when you go to lafc it's vela bale chiellini uh, Chicho gets the goals. That's good. But it's those mm-hmm. two guys. Everyone chips in. Everyone really chips in. It's a proper team. But I think Jose Cifuentes is one you want to keep an eye on and Diego Palacios because they are going places. And Cifuentes, the way he's going, I think he starts the opening game for Ecuador in the World Cup. Mm. And I think it's the first game of the World Cup. So he is, uh, he's on a rocket ship. He's played so well. He scores goals. He hits it from long range. He is strong as athletic. Uh, someone compared him to Weston McKinney, and I was like, "Yeah, I see it." And he's uh, he's just gotten so much better year to year. Uh, having been around this league now, uh, I'm just reflecting on my own experience. You know, coming in as a fan 12 years ago now, and kind of describe like where how the culture of the game, the environment, the energy around stadiums has changed. I mean, specifically LAFC. For anyone who is visiting LA, is interested about soccer, wants to, it's a, it's an incredible time. It's an incre- the soccer culture in LA is fantastic, and it's just you're going to have a good time. Um, but just describe how much it's evolved over the last decade or so. Well, actually, let's what we should do is let's put a menu together of what people should do when they come to LA. They can wrap hot dog. Go see an LAFC game. I tell people, go check if there's anything playing at the Hollywood Bowl, which mm-hmm. is seasonal. Um, go see you know, People say go to the Santa Monica Pier. Don't go to the Santa Monica Pier. No, no, no. Don't. Yeah. 
go see a, a movie screening at Hollywood Forever. There you hey. go. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, take a hike in, in Palos Verdes. Go look at yeah. those cliffs. There's so much that you could do. And I think a LAFC game would be a nice frame around there. But uh, to answer your question, uh, Jason, it's um, the the supporter culture is the thing that's grown the most. I re- you know, we go to games and there'd be football stadiums and it'd be like 3,000 people, right. 60,000, 70,000. And now the, the new stadiums have helped because it's been fan friendly and the clubs have, you know, in, given the supporters power uh, with everything and made them, you know, a, a very valid part of, you know, almost giving them, bringing them in the process of everything that they do, almost everything. And now we see, you know, when you're invested in that and you're a fan, you, you go to the games and you travel for games, which is something we didn't see. So, uh, you know, some clubs are obviously doing a better job than others, but there's enough clubs that are that can lean into a, a very sophisticated, engaged fan base. But it's I think it's empowering them is the key. Because I know LAFC did that. I remember Philadelphia Union did that mm-hmm. um, with the Sons of Ben, and they've come in there. But there's a lot of clubs that have turned to the fans <clears> and say, you are a part of this. You, We're going we're gonna to communicate with you when we make big decisions. And they do that, and that... I think allows the fans to come back and they feel it's they're part of it. So it's, it's a good feeling. Uh, okay. So in line with that, the MLS has gotten more talent over the years, a lot of talent from central America. I feel like a lot of players from that good Costa Rica team, a couple world cups ago was in MLS. Uh, and there's always guys leaving like on their way up. Um, again, Almiron, mm-hmm. uh, our man Ricardo Pepe just left. Uh, Pepe, excuse me. He just left and isn't really in the rotation at Osberg. Diego Rossi. Yeah, he left. Yeah, Diego uh, Rossi. So. Yeah. How do we, how does MLS keep the talent here? Is it even possible? Hmm. Like With the young talent. The young talent. I, th- I think there's going to be a time where the young talent still, ha- it's up to them. They want to dip their toe into Europe. So I get that. And the uh, transfer fees are going up. I mean, the Ricardo Pepe is an offer you just couldn't refuse. We never heard of a transfer fee for $20 million. So uh, I think clubs aren't going to just give these guys away anymore, which they may have. You know, I always remember Clint Dempsey was like a $4 million transfer, which is obscene. (laughs) It's obscene for a player of that level. So uh, I I think what you're going to see is clubs have money, but guys like Christian Pulisic, 24, 25, I, I think some MLS Cubs will approach him maybe in a year or two and give him a huge offer to come back like they did with Dempsey and maybe the same with Weston McKinney or Sergio Dest. So some of these young players, I think it's going to be a cyclical. I don't think they're going to stay here too much, uh, but there's always that pathway back. But Greg Berhalter addressed it. You know, some of these young players go too early. So if there's a cautionary tale out there, and he mentioned Brian Reynolds and George Bellow. Yeah. They go, it's like, maybe just stay in MLS until you you get your feet underneath you. So... They're still going to go to answer your question, Jamel. I just don't think people are going to just kind of push them out the door because there's money involved. They're going to be more patient. The upside of some of this amazing young American talent moving on to European leagues is that our American men's team looks to be, from my perspective, as not an expert, the most talent-packed that we've ever seen. U.S. men's national teams qualified for the 2022 World Cup. Uh, it's gonna. They're gonna be probably the youngest team uh, in the tournament. They the uh, you know core of the team is guys like 
Pulisic, who is an impact player at Chelsea. Brendan Aronson, uh, Weston McKenney, others. There's just a lot of good talent playing at top-level European teams and really playing. Um, what's that impact like? And what do you what do you think of uh, uh, U.S.'s chances in this this world this World Cup? The uh, yeah, the, it's it's amazing what's happened and just being able to get that that coaching. And great resources, which, you know, most a lot of MLS clubs are getting better at that. But you can't compete with Chelsea, Juventus, Barcelona, even some of these Premier League teams like Leeds and now Crystal Palace with Chris Richards, that they're going to raise their stakes. And they're going to be playing against you know better players uh, on a weekly basis. They're going to be playing against or they're going to be playing with better players. And that is uh, that always is going to get you better. That's a fast track, especially if you're ready for it. But it's uh, it's really remarkable to see that there was one or two guys, and now you you just you were listing them off, and you're like, oh wait, I can still and, throw and off some names. I mean, you know, Chelsea, Barcelona, Juventus, like these are elite elite clubs. Well, and, and Brendan Aronson, you know, he was a he was a, a a very raw talent, and he had a high you know high ceiling. He goes to Red Bull Salzburg, and then boom, a year later, he's at Leeds. Granted. Yeah. And having an American coach there actually didn't really help because he was being approached by Leeds before Jesse Marsh got there. And now he's a $30 million player. So young kids here are, are taking notice of that. Yeah. And there's like a conveyor belt of more of them that could follow that. So every day that goes by, a new name comes up. Some of them don't hit it, but some have the talent. And uh, that's why it's a good reason to watch. I mean, the under 20s, some of these kids, yeah. Brendan's brother, uh, Paxton or... Uh, all the union guys, Jack McGlynn, they're going to, one of these guys are going to pan out to be, make an even bigger impact than Christian Pulisic because it's just so many guys and there's money and the money, the the money will keep some of these guys playing soccer when they're, when they're tw- 10, 11, 12, those formative years where we lost so many guys, they can, they're going to hear the story of Brendan Aronson and Christian Pulisic and they go, mm, I like playing this sport. Maybe I'll just stick <laughs> around a little bit longer. I'll, go, I'll drive a Ferrari around West London. Yeah, like why not? Right? That looks where do <laughs> that I looks sign pretty up? good. <laughs> Does it, it sounds a little better than uh, Gareth Bale at Carl's Jr. But just <laughs> by a little bit. <laughs> He's gonna come on, man. Gareth Bale is gonna get his own taco truck. <laughs> Can you imagine? He's like, I, I've, I found my calling. I'm gonna have a taco truck in Gar- in Gardena, and uh, yeah. we're, I'm just happy here. He did. It's like, remember when he went to Spain and it seemed like, okay, the, Gareth Bale, the most Welsh man of all time. <laughs> and he goes to Spain and it's like he kind of adopted the swag. Yeah. So I'm hoping two years from now he's wearing, um, you know, the homies t-shirts. He's got a t-shirt with a, uh, the, um, the clown, like a, uh, like the, those drama masks, you know, they'd be right, right on. Yeah. <laughs> and like he's doing, he's at the car show up at the Rose Bowl, you know, He's, he's going to be at the car show. LA. He's going to be on the hydraulics just yeah. in the parking lot at Ocean Park going, yeah, I'm going to bring my, yeah, yeah. my Chevelle in here and we're going <laughs> to listen to war. That's a great visual. But you're right. He he absorbs it. And and Wales is a very distinct place. Wales, when you're Wales, it's, there's a brotherhood and it's it's a small place. So people are yeah. very familiar and they, they, they stick, they stick with each other. And, uh, to see that expand those uh, those boundaries is he's really embraced it. Shout out to Aaron Ramsey while we're here, where we're just talking Welsh things. Like, Arsenal legend Aaron Wales Ramsey. Himself. Wales, you, we get great famous Welsh men and women 
Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Tom Jones. Ooh. I play rugby. Uh, it's a cavalcade of great former Welsh rugby players. Catherine, Catherine Zeta Jones. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Which remember there was a good, there was a period where that was a shock. It was like, wait, Welsh. Wow. Um, <laughs> she looked very. She could have been Spanish. <laughs> it could have been or, Spanish or Latin American. Are you watching the women's Euros at all? I, I've been uh, I've been checking in on it, uh, schedule permitting, and like every this is what happens to me every international soccer cycle. Um, something about the desperation of English soccer of bringing it home, the desire to bring it home. We got to bring it home. Uh, just reels me in, and I'll tell you what these. English women, I think they are going to bring it home. Uh, next big next game is on Tuesday, uh, semifinals. Um, it, England, Sweden, which I expect that England will win. They've been killing everybody. Uh, mean, but Sweden, if you, not, well, the one game I watched, they played Spain, and I thought Spain got undone at the end, unlucky um, with the equalizer. I thought it was a penalty. I thought it was going to be a foul on England, but they let it stand. It was a, it was a marginal call, but still, I was impressed by Spain. But th- that's I watched a, I watched some of the Germany game and a, a tad I did not watch France Netherlands because um, we're working. But I'm with uh, the thing is, about it, and I, I'm going to watch the semis because, as you said, you see England, Sweden, and yeah. Germany, France, and that's the draw. Because the tournament itself, I didn't watch because the group stages, you kind of knew what was going to happen. Yeah, uh, there was a few little surprises, but th- it's all important to the women's game that these tournaments get better. Uh, because it's that'll draw fans. And that's why this Euro is so important, because this is going to be the main foils for teams like the U.S. Uh, to get, you know, to not run through the World Cups like they did the last two times. And I enjoy yeah. watching that, but I'd rather watch competitive games. And that would mean that the U.S. gets knocked off their perch. That's probably the best thing for the women's game right now. And uh, the best candidates are coming from Europe, because all those four semifinalists, uh, and I would throw Spain. Spain really impressed me. I want I want to see more. They play beautifully. That these are teams that, when the World Cup rolls around, and I had Lori Lindsay on my Soccer OG podcast, and she she hit me with this. Says the 2023 Women's World Cup is going to be the biggest women's sporting event ever. And I was like, I buy it, and it's because of the width and breadth of these teams. So that's why these semifinals are going to be fantastic, and this is going to be a big building block for the. Uh, for the women's game. And, you know, you have the, uh, the South American tournament, the Come Bowl tournament going on, and there's some development. So those, those countries aren't going to be quite at this level. Obviously Canada and USA mm-hmm. played those Canada's certainly at that level. That's a, a growing, uh, a, yeah, but not even need... growing like a heated death rivalry already. It's It's great. So if you can, I mean, if you can get those five European teams, USA, Canada, uh, May I mean I don't know what Japan Japan's kind of fallen off what they were when they won the World Cup in 2011, but if you can get like ten teams on that top line, that's that's going to be great for the women's game. And you know the U.S. is reloading; they got a bunch of people uh, getting ready to retire mm-hmm. after a crazy run. Uh, my favorite thing about international soccer is that every matchup feels like it's rooted in like history class. You know oh yeah, like, it's yeah. all like, it is like oh like France Germany, come on man. Uh-oh. This is some this is some for years. This is some Alsace Lorraine shit. This is some like uh, yeah Rec- this, recreation of the Hanseatic Wars. And yeah, <laughs> this is like a, a Charlemagne shit. This goes back to that <laughs> deep. It's it's true. And by the way, that's a 
Javel, that's a, always an interesting part where the old guard moves out and the new players, because the old guard doesn't want to move out, but some people overstay their their window. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Something they need to get pushed out a little bit because it's a young person's game. Uh, but someone struggled. I, I think Brazil, Brazil's a bit of a mess, but they were had, they had, uh, you know, Marta and Formica, yeah, and they, they've been there forever. And they, Formica, I think I read this correctly, and we were celebrating it. I was like, uh, at the Olympics, she goes, this is her seventh Olympics. I go, wait a minute. <laughs> Did you say seven? Ol- There's got to be a statute of limitations. I'd say four is plenty. She was on the roster. She was on the roster when she was 12, man. <laughs> Max, you've had one of the coolest careers in sports media. Uh, you worked at ESPN. You hosted SportsCenter. You're calling games for MLS. You know, people ask me all the time, how do you do, how did you get into this? I'm like, there's no roadmap. I'm not really sure, but I'll tell you what I did. I, for you, was there a roadmap? Was there a plan? How did you, how did it happen? Well, it was, it was pretty fortunate, but I, I I tend to think of, you know, being at the right place at the right time, but you probably do a lot to put yourself in that position. Mm-hmm. And that was when Fox started and, you know, soccer was, I knew I wanted to get into this, but I didn't jump in and say, I want to be a broadcaster. Because Where do you start? Yeah. Just, so, you know, the, the, the normal process is you, you, you work in a, a small town as the sports director in, you know, Dubuque, Iowa or something. <laughs> you do that for bad money. Oh, everyone I worked at SportsCenter did that. I avoided that. And it was when I was working at a place, I lost my job. And then I was, I was laid off. And the person who ran the company go, I, I don't want to leave you in the swinging in the wind, but where can I send you? You know, I have a lot of contacts and I go, I love sports. So they put me in touch with prime sports. So I went there, which would become Fox sports. And I would answer phone calls, make photocopies. I don't know if kids still do that. They don't, you know, they don't, there's a phone. No. <laughs> so, no, no. <laughs> they don't do photocopies. I don't think, yeah, they don't no. fax anything. Anymore. Yeah, no. <laughs> but uh, it's, I, I did that. And then, there was a Spanish language channel and I became the programmer, uh, the scheduler. So we would, and the other person that was in this is John Laguna, who was the Spanish programmer. And I was alongside him. And John Laguna now is like the top play-by-play guy at, at Fox sports, Fox Deportes. So uh, the Spanish language was starting. And then they said, let's start an English one. So all these leagues needed English narration. And we had a guy named John wall, not John wall. Sorry. Kevin Wall, not John Wall. Kevin Wall was a, lo- a really lovely guy, and he was doing all the games. So he was doing like 14 games a weekend. And, you know, he had a contract, so they were packing it on there. He's like, I go, do you need any help? I'd love to do, he goes, yeah, do this Chilean game or an Argentine <laughs> game. So I took it off his, and I, I did them for free for a while. So I'd come in Sunday, and I'd call the games. But this was, nowhere else in the world is this hap- in this country is this happening where you're going in and calling soccer games of the biggest, eventually the biggest yeah. leagues. Because, you know, no, no, it wasn't, people didn't care. I mean, we, most of the rights fees we had were free. Right. We just did, it was like an ad share or something, uh, including the Premier League. So we had them and then uh, it's, it's so much has changed. So it was very good timing that I, I got into that. And I, I, I enjoyed the sport watching it in Spanish. So anything in English was bizarre. And I spoke to Derek Ray, who was like broadcasting at that time. He did a Monday Premier League game. He did some Champions League, but it wasn't on a lot. And now it's on everywhere and it's very competitive, but uh, that gave me a chance to learn on the job. I mean, it was, I was, <laughs> there was, you, you made a lot of mistakes, but you fixed them on the next broadcast. <laughs> I was kind of like, was it? what was the thing you wish somebody had been like, Max, avoid doing this. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I remember one one time uh, there was a there was a game I did a city I game and it was two last place teams, and then I would I'd, I'd come out and go hey today uh, Brescia nineteenth the plays twentieth place uh, Lecce, two worst teams in the league and I'm like saying there and I'm like. I probably should have been told to maybe spin it a little differently. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I just I hear TVs turning off. I go, why do I want to watch this? Yeah, right, yeah. It would be like you were telling me to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> go to bed. 19th and 20th. Nothing 19th to do. and 20th. What are you so, doing here? They're paying me. What's your problem? I wish, I wish someone came up to me and go, don't say that. I go, okay, you're right. Let's, let's talk it up a little bit. But just those little things that make a lot of sense that, you would just come in without really thinking. Sometimes just reel it back a little bit with the humor probably would always help too. Yeah, shout out to Dennis Miller. Uh, also, <laughs> uh, man, I just want to say a big shout out to you for just enjoy- Like, you introduced me to soccer, period. When Fox Soccer was like really, when I was still living in my parents' house and they had the good cable, man, <laughs> unreal. <laughs> every game, every country, it blew my mind. And things haven't been the same since I started paying my own bills. I'm not getting my Boca Juniors like I used to. That's it. You that's, know, that was a tough channel to get, but apparently it wasn't that tough because I get these these stories, and I, you know that means everything in the world. That's a, a mind blowing. So I, that's it hits me hard when you hear those things. But it's um yeah, that was a hard channel because we thought I didn't think anyone was listening, but they were. I'm telling you, man, you was. I would wake up to it. And then by the time, yeah, by the time Lecce came on, it was time to go to bed. It was just on all the time. You could have, you may have to phrase that with context, the time that Lecce came on and. Yeah, yeah, that's the, the, look. I I should have thought of another body. Body was always at the bottom. Body was always at the bottom. That sounds bad too. Brescia and it was like, I don't know. Parma was great. Parma was, was, I think, a champion. It was a. it was a good time. A lot of good players. Okay, let me. I'm, I saw something on your page. Uh, speaking of our, our Argentina and Boca and stuff, uh, what the hell is going on? Uh, guys getting hit with fishes. <laughs> so bizarre. So bizarre. Uh, yeah, I just that was in. That's a big game. So Boca River is the big Argentine rivalry, and the second one is Racing Independiente, whose stadiums are two streets apart. It's one of the famous shots. I love it. And you always get these, uh, air, what is it called? A, a drone shot. And you see the two stadiums. There's like two streets separating them. So I guess um, they've these players have had everything thrown at them. <laughs> Maybe the guy was just thinking, let's try something different. It was a bad fish. It was like a, it was like a small like bait fish. <laughs> it wasn't even yeah, a good fish. Yeah, we're not talking like a tuna or like a, or like no, a striper. No, yeah. No, I know. Well, they, you know, they when they throw the octopus in those hockey games, that's right, an right, octopus. Yeah. So that's a legit animal. It's like this sardine or something. Hit my man right in the mouth with a minnow. <laughs> <laughs> Max, finally, uh, you know, my Red Bulls are languishing uh, in fourth in the Eastern Conference. They're doing okay. They're, they're, they're doing okay. Right. They're doing okay. Uh, LAFC is is cruising at 45 points uh, at this point, 14 and 3 first in the West. Uh, Any big predictions for uh, this MLS season? Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. 
Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. It's hard to see LAFC not hitting their targets. I agree. <laughs> I mean, more so now with all these guys playing and they still have Brian Rodriguez coming back. I just look at the Western teams and I just don't. Austin was tricky. They, that was a, the one team to beat LAFC in their building. I just can't see it lasting at the end. Now the playoffs, anything can happen. And you know, Seattle's going to start getting it, getting right and well, yeah. maybe Portland, maybe the Galaxy. I mean, I wouldn't rule them out because they certainly do have ambition, but it's going to be tricky with the roster that they have. Um, but the East, I mean, there's like the, the cream rising to the top. NYCFC and Philly are really good teams and they keep winning. And the Red Bulls, uh, maybe hard pressed because they're not as deep, but if they can stay healthy, they could keep up with those guys. So um, I think it's it's going to be one of those five or six teams. And I mean, even the West. I mean, if, again, the playoffs. LAFC have learned it in, in, in year one when they lose lost to Real Salt Lake in the playoffs, and they fell short in the magical 2019 year. But uh, I just can't see it. I mean, I, at least you can't predict it. You can't come up and say who's going to come out of the West. Everyone has to say LAFC. You have to just based on form. You could say anything could happen in the playoffs. Okay, what's going to happen? I go, I don't know. Then your answer is LAFC. Yeah. And then uh, I, I, I would, it'd be great to see New York City FC. Well, I should say Toronto because I watched them uh, on Saturday and it was phenomenal with uh, the new Italians, Bernadeschi and Insigne. They look great. So there's a, there's some good top teams. I hope that they, the playoffs certainly benefit the underdogs. Uh, I just hope we, uh, Maybe a good year with the heavyweights at the top there with the personalities because MLS is, could use that. I could tell you. I that. think it could use that for sure. You know, the playoff system is, it's a lot of who gets lucky, but I, I'm, I, I agree. The sport would, it would be great to see that. If you got LAFC, New York City FC, and that would California be, Stadium, that'd be fun. I'd say great. Toronto, but Canadian teams, for whatever reason, don't excite the American public, which is a shame. Uh, I've seen it in hockey in here, but. I that would be something spectacular as well. And I like it would be good to see someone firmly up on the way. I'm not diminishing Austin. Uh, maybe it's them. Uh, they've yeah. done had a credible year, but maybe one of the bigger clubs with the resources um could maybe uh join LAFC near the top. We'll see. Come on, man. Bell scores a game winner at home <laughs> at the bank and then they hold the confetti hits the ground. <laughs> He puts he puts a pair of lokes on and rides yeah. off on a low rider bike. Woo! <laughs> uh, see him and Snoop just cruising yeah. there. LBC. Corrupt. Corrupt Jerry there. West comes down from the owner's box, gets on the back of his motorcycle. They ride what off. LA, what an LA moment, Jamel. Over under how many ba- Gareth Bale goals? This season, he's already got one. This season, I'm gonna say ten. I think that's the right number. I, I think, think he can right. get that. He is Max Bredos, the voice of LAFC, host of the Soccer OG podcast. Max, this was great. Thank you so much. Fantastic conversation. Great to join you guys. You're the best, man. That's it for us. Follow and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to X-Ray on YouTube for exclusive video clips from my pop culture series. 
which releases videos twice a week. Check it out. See you next time. Bye-bye. Take Line is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Ryan Wallerson and Zuri Irvin. Our executive producers are myself and Sandy Gerard. Engineering, editing, and sound design by the great Sarah de Alaska and the folks at Chapter 4. And our theme music is produced by Brian Vasquez. Mia Kelman is on the Zoom for Vibes, and the vibes are fantastic all the time. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.